Hey everyone, welcome to the Behind the Scenes Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Audrey. And on this podcast, we share the messy, honest, unfiltered, and not so curated parts of our life. Think of this podcast as a bunch of bloopers with some truth bombs sprinkled throughout. That's right. We're going to be taking you behind the scenes of our daily routines, our social media feeds, and what you may or may not have seen on TV. We're going to be talking relationships, family, faith, business, basically whatever we are learning about, fighting about, or laughing about lately. We're going to be sharing our daily life, our struggles, successes, and our roses and thorns from each week. And we don't want this podcast to just be about us. So we're also going to go behind the scenes with some of the people who inspire us the most. We hope this podcast feels like you're joining us for a campfire. Come hang out. Today on the podcast, we have Gabe and Rebecca Lyons, and we are talking a lot with them about rhythms, which if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know Jeremy and I are super passionate about rhythms. And Rebecca has a new book coming out this fall called Rhythms of Renewal. We're talking all about the book on the podcast today. Um, And she has this great concept about taking inventory of your life and how it's never too late to establish what you want your life to be about. Um, So definitely tune in to all the wisdom that they have to share together. They have four kids and they also co-founded another ministry together. It's called Q Ideas. Yep. And it's basically where they uh, ask questions and answer questions and they go around and they hold these events. And it's really, it's, it's a really fascinating uh, concept. And I think something that's super, super needed in today's uh, cultural moment, I guess you could say, where people are asking ideas. Why are we here? You know, what's the meaning of life and um, everything in between? And uh, so they explore that and it's just, it's fascinating. They got a lot of really, really cool, good insight. And uh, we really enjoyed this conversation, I'd say, babe. So um, along with the rhythms, you know, rhythms are usually antidotes to a problem. And so we talk a lot about the problem we're seeing right now in culture and uh, we get into that. So yeah, it's a good one. Super insightful. They're jam-packed full of wisdom and very well-spoken people because they're writers. So I know you guys are going to just find a lot of value from this episode. Let's get into it. All right. Today on the podcast, we have Gabe and Rebecca Lyons. Am I saying that right, you guys? Yes. Lyons. Okay. We are so excited to talk to them today on the podcast. Haven't met them in person yet, but we know that it's on the horizon, hopefully sometime soon. But we're super excited to talk to them. Rebecca has got a new book coming out this fall, and they just launched a podcast literally today, the day that we're recording this podcast. So that's super exciting. We have tons of stuff that we want to ask them um, just when it comes to family and ministry and marriage and raising kids and specifically rhythms because... Um, our, our listeners know that Jeremy and I are super passionate about rhythms and we talk a lot about rhythms on the podcast. And I know that's something that you guys have a huge heart for speaking to as well. So we're super excited to have you guys. Thank you guys so much for saying yes to being on the show. I know we're so excited to talk with you guys too. Thankful for the great work that you're doing to inspire so many and just looking forward to getting to know you better and having this conversation. I know. Selfishly, yeah. I'm excited for this podcast because we get to talk. 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. Right? <laughs> it's so fun. I love that the podcast gives us opportunities to talk with people that we wouldn't normally. So yeah. it's just really cool. But why don't you guys each maybe take a second to tell us just what you do. And I know you guys do a lot together, but you do do some things individually, I think. Um, so tell us where you live, what you guys do. Just give us a little behind the scenes of um, who you guys are. Sure. So I'll start and then Gabe can um, tag team, but I, um, so I'm a writer. So this will be my third book project in the last seven years. I'm a late bloomer. I didn't start writing until my mid thirties. And um, that just kind of yielded me start. I start teaching around the country and around kind of the themes on mental health, emotional, spiritual, relational health. And I didn't really sign up to be the anxiety girl, but that was kind of my backstory when we moved to Manhattan nine years ago that I started to have panic attacks. And so my faith was a huge part of that healing journey. And God gave me a story I couldn't shut up about. So that's like my professional life on what that looks like a ministry. But then Gabe and I've been married 22 years in December and we have four children. Uh, yeah, four. And I know you guys are almost halfway into that. <laughs> Working on yeah. number two. <laughs> I know. It's exciting just to watch that for you guys. But our, our oldest, Cade, is 18. And he was born when I was 26. And we found out six hours later he had Down syndrome. So that changed the trajectory of our lives and the way we knew it. And then we had two more. Pierce is 16. Kennedy is 14. So three high schoolers. And then just nine months ago, we brought a five-year-old girl with Down syndrome home from China and she started kindergarten last week. So apparently we are starting over. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that got, is wild. And you guys family. adopted her, right? Yes. Yeah. We, we, did. we adopted her from China back December. Six, yeah. December. So mm-hmm. we're about nine months into that. Tell and them about what you do, babe. Wow. Yeah. My, my focus over the last really 20 years has been trying to just be a part of helping leaders better understand our culture, especially people of faith who are trying to discern how does our faith impact the way we're supposed to live kind of as citizens in society today? How can we affect change? How can we be a part of caring for our neighbors? Well, being smart and informed about current issues, but also understanding, you know, just how God moves in in beautiful ways and trying to help the church come along and understanding that conversation more. And then, you know, I think lately just been super burdened for, our kids like in that generation and generation Z and seeing like an incredible opportunity um, for them. And so our work, our organization is called Q, which is the letter, but it stands for questions. And we basically, we try to create spaces for leaders to wrestle with some of the big questions of our time and get better answers to those questions so that we can be really helpful to people who are asking, we think pretty big questions right now about meaning life, why are we here, purpose, those, yeah. those types of things that, you know, our faith's a, a Christian faith. And so it's it's better understanding just how the Christian story really does provide some pretty compelling answers to those questions. So we're trying to help leaders better know how to engage that conversation. That Gabe, sounds incredible. you are speaking my language. Yeah, Jeremy's, all of Jeremy's <laughs> heartstrings are being pulled on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And yeah. when did that start? It's recent or newer, right? Well, we, we actually, the, the beginning of it was 2003. When Kate, um, oh, not recent. Oh, wow. Old, but, you know, I'm, I'm an old man now, guys. So. No, he's not. Older <laughs> <laughs> than I am by so, now. I'm in my young 40s. Let's say. <laughs> but but so, yeah, it started, you know, I was late, kind of mid-20s, late 20s, trying to 
just God just called me to focus on that work. So we're yeah. we're about 13 years into doing something called the Q Conference that meets in Nashville. A couple thousand leaders come to that every year, where we really kind of talk through a lot of that. Um, but then we have a lot of online presence through Q Media and some ways that just help get those conversations going through social media as well as online learning in schools, colleges. Yeah. You know, all think that. think Ted for people. Yeah people of faith. So every year at Q we'll have up to 40 presenters on panels and we do after parties and we do nine minute talks, 18 minute talks and give them some examples of some of the topics. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, even yeah. in a couple months, we do an event called Q commons that'll happen in 200 locations around the world and the U S and Malcolm Gladwell will be one of our keynote speakers combined with Francis Chan and Rebecca. Well, and, yeah. And then, but, but in the nice. locations, uh, we have local speakers that give talks about their local city and community and how can people of faith be a part of advancing good. And so, you know, it's, it, our whole hope is to stir like real conversations that bring people together in a yeah. polarizing time and give people like a real, yeah. what does that look and feel like? And, it's led by people of faith, but they're doing it with a very outward looking view to try to serve their neighbors and their community. That wow. I mean, I'm so, so into needed. that. That is. Uh, <laughs> and anyone, can anybody go? Yeah. Or is it invite? How does that work? Yeah. So anybody's invited. It's like there's website. Qcommons.com is that event. It's okay. October 24th that night. But yeah, cool. they pretty much look up your city, see where it's happening and anybody can go. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. And Rebecca, are, so you're involved with that to a, to a point or are you guys pretty, yeah. pretty co? Well, yes, we co-founded it. And really it was a faith step after Cade was born, you know, when life just all of a sudden looked different than we thought. Um, yeah. We were faced immediately with um, basically like what, what really matters? You know, if we have 30 years of vocational calling, I mean, God knows, maybe we'll have 60 mm-hmm. years, who knows? But at yeah. the time we're like, let's just think about the next 30 years. I mean, what are the burnt deep burdens of our hearts for our generation and the one behind us? And really it was what does faithfulness look like when culture feels lost or at least kind of going all different directions? And how do we how do we stay curious and think well and advance good? And so we co-founded it, which basically means I got to wear all the hats that wasn't visionary. So I was like the accounting girl and I got it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I was terrible at that or HR or, and it was hilarious. And then slowly over time, I'm, my role now is more on the board level and strategy and um, just being in this with him. Um, it's rare in our generation to see people kind of walk a vision out for 30 years because we, you know, yeah. we know that long obedience in the same yes. but it's really oh, yeah. <laughs> by God go like, this is just, we want to see, a, we want to see something shift. And I think my big burden around it is that whether or not people agree with where we stand uh, everywhere in our theology, we want to be um, contributing such good things to our community and our city that even if people don't agree, they're like thankful that we are a presence in this space. Um, because when, when the church shows up and cares for people and when they actually put action behind their words, um, societies flourish. And we, we mm-hmm. really feel called to talk, talk less and act more. And so he was just a, an equipping piece for that. Man, I'm, this is like really cool. And I, 
this whole question, asking questions thing is kind of, I would say, what I personally and Aj and I collectively really intentionally try to do with our platforms is we want people to experience them and walk away asking questions or maybe having a few questions answered. And I think it's such a timely, uh, timely thing currently because as I think Gabe, you mentioned earlier, we are in a total season of questioning. Like yeah. we, I feel like America kind of thought they had it figured out for a while and now everything's just kind of up in the air and people will settle somewhere. So I think the effort of specifically, you know, the church um, coming into aid in the process of where people settle is such a fantastic mission. I'm so on board with that. Yeah. And one thing we've, this has been like really heavy on our hearts since, you know, we wrote a book recently and so much of our book was getting people to ask questions that would lead to more intentional conversations or a more intentional love story or pursuit of love, but also through the lens of telling stories. And I had this like aha moment where I realized like, well, so much of Jesus, Jesus's life was asking questions and telling stories. That's literally what he did when he was alive. (laughs) And so I think that that is so like the fact that you guys are premising this ministry around asking questions, like that's such a good, I don't know. It's such a beautiful posture. And I think like if our world could just start there with like telling stories and asking questions, we wouldn't be so polarized. Yeah. Like you said, you know, yeah. well, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, you, you pretty much only learn something well when you self discover it, when somebody tells you what to think or mm-hmm. tells you mm-hmm. and prescribes to you exactly what you ought to do, they might be absolutely right, but your ability to take it in is just very different than if you're sitting around asking better questions and then you kind of start to discover what is true, what is real, what is the right way to think yeah. about this and and, it, and you take ownership of it. And that's where we hope in all the question asking, people start to take responsibility and ownership of how they're going to move forward. Yeah. So in your guys' experience, what do you see is like the big problem right now? Because w- listening to this, I'm thinking, well, I feel like a lot of people I talk to, they just, they don't ask questions. They just ignore and they just want to live this you know, mm-hmm. American blissful, apathetic existence. And they're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. You know, or death will sort it out type of attitude. Do you find that? What's your thought on kind of the one problem? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think you're speaking to it where there's an apathy, there's an avoidance, there's a desire to just stay distracted from the deeper human questions that we all wrestle with, mm. you know, whether you're yeah. in the faith or you grew up with no faith or you hate faith, like you're, you're still trying to answer these basic questions that every human being has always tried to answer. Um, like, why am I here? What, what's going on in this world? Where are we going? Like, what's yeah. the point? And, and I think when you get to this deep apathy where a generation, we see it, the younger the generations go, you start to see more and more of it. Um, where there's real despair happening, like in some ways it's it's predictable because once you start to remove some of these clear authorities and you don't really know what to believe anymore, who to believe. I mean, I just was reading this weekend in the Wall Street Journal where belief in God and religion, which is really important to us, you know, 68% of 55 and older folks like would say that's one of their top values in life. And then you look at the youngest generation, like 18 to 32, and it's, dropped to 30% say it's a top value. So once you start to remove belief in God and religion, and it is, the research just shows people are seeing that as a negative in our society right now. 
then yeah. a lot of other things start to fall with that. Like you don't really have a basis for moral action, for virtue, meaning mm-hmm. like, you know, you're just trying to come up with your own. And we know that that usually leads to despair because you can't find meaning looking at yourself, staring in the mirror, trying to come up with meaning and purpose. <laughs> yes. You get that from a fixed point outside of yourself, which we believe is, is from God and his design and purpose for every human being to flourish and have an amazing, beautiful, abundant life. So I think that's part of where I see like one of the greatest challenges we have to try to address. And so in the generation coming behind us, so much of that is, is shifting because there is a numbing out and an escape escape mm-hmm. because they're sad. There's, there's a sadness, there's a loneliness and isolation that we know is connected to technology, to being raised on a screen, to not having community around us that are real, like flesh and blood or family that mm-hmm. speaking like, like Gabe and I even know as parents of three kids in high school right now, how much, how our kids have been raised with support and still the tide that's coming against them right now requires Gabe and I to be like literally speaking life over them every single day they walk out the door because they're just hearing the opposite all the time. And so yeah. if you don't have a stable family um, unit and you have even, and, and so many single parents are left to do this on their own. And there's, it's a capacity issue because often working lots of hours and, but just seeing what really is needed to to stem the tide coming to those behind us, um, we have got to be carriers of truth and life everywhere we go. We have to be speaking it constantly because um, the lies in our head get really loud. But the truth of like the call and the destiny that's appointed for each of us in the womb is true. That's true. Whether or not we yeah. need to believe it or whether or not we're hearing it, that is the absolute truth. So we have to make sure if we do believe that, that we're that we're reminding people of it. Yeah. Totally. And, wow. and that's so interesting because, um, you know, that statistic, Gabe, is interesting because people in the younger generations, uh, you know, with technology and everything, we're not necessarily losing religion or losing belief. We're just shifting where our belief is focused and like what we're religious to. And now it's politics by and large or ourselves, right? American individualism. And so interesting because that's causing a lot of problems. And this is a perfect segue to, I think your book, Rebecca, Rhythms of Renewal. Um, It's kind of like an antidote. Is that, tell us a little bit about your book and just kind of what that's about and what you're trying to combat. And if that's at all associated as an antidote to the chaos we're seeing coming out of a shift to belief in individualism and yeah. uh, politics and you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, in some ways I see it as a modern day um, manifesto to just the disciplines that we have to put into our lives because we are created to be lifelong learners. We are created to grow and to flourish. And so when we're doing anything short of that, maybe even if we're not declining, but we're just holding steady or maintaining, we're still not living into the fullness that we were designed to, which inevitably leaves us lacking uh, when we lay our head on our pillow at night. We're like, I know I'm actually not living into, and it's not something that we strive into. It's actually the identity that's already on us. And so we feel that gap. We feel that disparity. And so this book was really... 
uh, I wanted to create something very tangible and practical for the person who goes, I just constantly feel overwhelmed. Like I can't catch up. I have chronic Mm -hmm. stress. I'm now starting to show symptoms of stress physically. So 77% of our society are now showing physical symptoms of stress, which then becomes anxiety because your body basically just says, no, I'm done. Like I can't continue to carry you at the pace and capacity you've tried to run chasing your own desires ultimately. Um, so, so this is not a like to do book or a self-help book. This is an undo book. This is like, let's stop and pause all the things we feel these compulsions towards. And when we unlayer those things, we'll actually find that God's actually designed us in a way to live out this cadence for our health, for our pain. And so the idea around the book is just four rhythms for four areas of relational. So it's spiritual physical, relational, and vocational health. And so each rhythm represents a different one. So rest is the first one in that spiritual, your inner life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, t- I talk about morning routine. I talk about um, tech detox, about quiet rhythms and patterns for deep, deep sleep. Very practical things that you can apply in your everyday life. Because sometimes people are just like, just tell me where to start. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the second one is restore. And that's your physical health. Because God says, I made your bodies. I know what they need. I know how they need to function, what you need to, what fuel you need and how you need to move. Um, I studied like um, scholars say Jesus walked about 3,200 miles in the three years he did ministry because of all the towns he went to and they kind of calculated. And I just realized how much our diet doesn't look like a diet of that day and how yeah. much our movement doesn't look like the movement of that day. We, we ride in cars everywhere. And so we actually aren't being stimulated because taking walks stirs our creativity. We're just, so it's practical chapters on taking a walk and play. Yes you know, um, brain food, all those things. And then, so those are two input rhythms. And then the last half of the book is output rhythms because you can't give what you haven't received. And I think a lot of times we're doing the output thing, but we're burned out. Like we literally are burning the candle at both ends because we don't feel permission for the input yet. The input's what empowers that. So the last two are connect and create. And when I think of you guys, I think of connect because it's really about, Um, there's a chapter on marriage. There's a chapter on parenting, on vulnerability, on conflict resolution, Um, just basically uh, friendship. There's a big section on friendship because again, that depression settles in when we feel isolated and alone because we were made for communion. That's exactly what our hearts are longing for. Mm -hmm. And the last one create, and that's our calling, our gifts we offer to the world, uh, recovering our passion we had as kids, working with our hands, just these tangible things of, of taking responsibility. Our daughter cares for chicken. Like, you know, how even yeah. the, root of anxiety, oh, yeah. the root of anxiety is unfulfilled responsibility, which means, you know, you're made for something, but you're not doing that. You're not stepping like that. into that. So oh it's my gosh. Just- Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> to my heart? <laughs> Yeah, it's this premise that is really began with Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning in the the 1940s. He's a Holocaust survivor, and he came up with this science called logotherapy. And he just said that the root um, that we were made for meaning, he borrowed from his Jewish faith, his Mm -hmm. Hebrew faith. And he said, you know, the premise of his work is that the root of anxiety is unfulfilled responsibility. 
And so I just kind of played that out going, so that means we are all made for something. There's, there's a destiny appointed to us when mm-hmm. God knit us in our mother's womb. It says in Psalm 139, all your days were written and planned before one of them began. And so it's, he's not forcing us into this destiny, but it's there and available to us. So it's up to us at that point to decide, do we want to explore that and be open to it? Because if we do, that will lead to the most flourishing life when Jesus says, I'll give you life to the full or abundant life. Um, So there's, it's available. It's really up to us to decide if we want to actually take it seriously and pursue it. And these rhythms are an example of how to begin that process. Okay. This is this book is for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's Jared super. It. Yeah, <laughs> um, very timely. Amazing. I mean, yeah. What were you gonna say, babe? Well, I was just gonna say it's a, it's just such a timely, timely uh, concept and book for our current culture. Yeah. Talk a little bit about just a little bit more about the problem you're seeing because I I want people you know it's specifically our listeners to I feel like everyone knows that there's a problem, sees a problem, but I want to give you the, you guys both the opportunity to kind of paint the, like knock it home for us, paint the picture of the problem. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think I would, I would say we we're losing what it means to be human. Like we're, yeah. we're starting to miss the essence of who we were created to be and how we were to live lives that flourish. And if I were to, I mean, Rebecca's book is called Rhythms of Renewal. Renewal. You know, you could title it How to Be Human Again, you know, because it's, yeah. it's kind of yeah. like these reminders of this is who you are. This is how you've been designed to function. And when you get outside of some of these rhythms, you start to deplete yourself. You start to not be fully who you are. And so part of our role, I think right now, is to help people remember. Um, and especially when we think about our children, who maybe never grew up hearing some of these things, like we have to reteach some things that were just assumed maybe when yeah. you were. In uh, and so there's a lot of work to be done to educate, to inspire, to help people walk into these patterns and to even help them even with processes of, of, of how to do it um, without it becoming another overwhelming task or need to produce type of an activity in their life. Um, but I think, as we said earlier, just, a settling in of despair is happening with people. And that happens when you lose purpose. And so the the greatest thing we can do is stir people's imagination to see themselves as somebody that's been designed to fulfill incredible destiny within their life and within this world that God's kind of pre-laid out for them. And there's an enemy that's constantly trying to steal that, destroy that, tell them they don't matter, tell them their identity is not in that, it's in something else. And so you're fighting a really you're fighting the good battle of, of truth against lies. And I think this is just one more kind of tool in the middle of that to hopefully just be helpful and to encourage people as they daily try to live it out. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there's going to start to be more of a shift towards. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a couple friends right now writing books about just what the hustle mentality, the hurry mentality is doing to our world and our lives and our marriages and our kids. And it's just, you know, that constant pressure to keep going, to keep working harder, to do more. And I feel like everyone, you know, at least a lot of my Christian friends on some root level crave this slowing down. You know, everyone wants to slow down, 
But then how do you, they don't know how to slow down. Like practically what's the first step? You know what I mean? Then they keep going on this hamster wheel of not living into their identity, you know, not being human. (laughs) And I think just like, you know, even we, I wrote like an Instagram thing the other day because Jeremy, Jeremy and I spent the past week camping and slowing down. And there's this poem that Jeremy and I really love. It's from one of our favorite books. And it, there's a line in it that just says like, pity to him or woe to him who can't stop and stare as the cows do. And I just think it's like, it's yeah. such a good reminder to like us, the world that we live in right now. Like we just feel so hurried. We feel so fast paced. Like there's always something to do or be or some self-help thing that you need to work on or, you know, it's just like this constant. And so is there, I know you said, Rebecca, that there's a lot of practical ways in your book of, you know, what are some of those ways of slowing down, of disconnecting from technology of, can you maybe share just like one or two really practical, maybe the most life-changing for you ways that have helped you slow down and re-figure out what it means to be human? Like, I know for us, like, Sunday Sabbath is huge, you know, turning off our phones one day a week. Like, are there things like that for you guys in your marriage or just in your life that have been super, super practical? Right. So the first chapter in the first rhythm is rest. I start with rest because it's, it's the baseline. If we can't rest, we cannot run. If we cannot rest, we think we run to earn rest, but actually rest precedes blessing. That's how it happens on day eight. Mm. God creates the world. Then he bless then he rests and then he blessed, he blessed that day. So rest precedes mm. blessing. So because yeah. of that, um, I just really have come to understand that God's not casual about this idea of rest. It's not optional. It's a, it's a mandate actually. So he says, Jesus says, come into my rest. Rest requires pursuit. It's not escape. It's not numbing out. So if you do the right kind of rest, it's actually replenishing and fuel. So like Netflix binging obviously would not be an example of rest. That's more escape. And that's okay. I'm not not knocking it. But just know you're not going to leave that experience recharged. Um, I'll I'll knock it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you knock it, Jerry. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But so the way I begin the book is a very practical discipline that Gabe and I have done for the our whole marriage. And the first chapter is called take inventory. And it's Mm -hmm. literally like pause long enough to take inventory of your life. Uh, Because when you start to do that, you'll learn that it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. And so take inventory. In that first chapter, I ask very practical questions like what it's that SWOT analysis that our coach taught us about 20 years ago. But what's right in your life? What's wrong? What's confused? And what's missing and talk about it with, you know, your person, your significant other, whether you're married or if you're single, like a friend, just the people who know you really well and have known you for a long time, where you feel safe to be honest with those questions. Yeah. And so we do that. We do that on a, on a level of, you know, every few years on a meta level. Um, but then we mm-hmm. also do it. Daily. Um, we do it even seasonally, you know, maybe four times a year where we just, even in a new season, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, what's missing. And so once you answer those questions repeatedly, you'll know what you're supposed to quit because the next, the next, the next to do is quit something. So once you've taken inventory, you realize that we're all made for a specific call. 
there's like a, I mean, we have a corporate call to love and honor God and to um, give him glory, but there's specific expressions that we all carry based on our gifts and our personalities. And so once you know those things, those are primary. But the problem with that is that then it opens up all these opportunities for new things. So then you start saying yes to like 12 other things on top of that original mission that crowded out and you start to lose passion of the original thing. And so you have to unlayer all the extras that you put on top because they were great opportunities. And why would you say no? Because you realize it's robbing you of the specific original vision and mission. Yeah. And I would add saying no is so important. And, you know, when you, when you start to say no to things, you're you're often saying no to really good things. So it's not like it's easy to say no, because it'd be easy if there were really bad things, but you're usually competing between like good things and great things, but you have to de- determine your boundaries. And if you look at, you know, my calendar over the next couple of weeks, I, I have to structure it in my calendar, the rhythms and the time set aside for things. If I don't do that, then I end up, um, it, it, my schedule will just take over. And I, and I kind of hate that. Like, I wish it was like we were camping, like, like a cow and staring and we didn't have <laughs> yeah, a lot right. of competing in, but we really have so many competing interests that, the only way I have found to, to practically kind of fight that is to, to plan out a week or two ahead and make sure I block time to go play golf, which is something that's yeah. replenishing. To me, um, Rebecca and I do morning walks. Like we have, we, we plan early mornings together before the kids even go to school at sunrise to get up and get out of the house and go take like a 45 minute walk together. Cause we know some days like that's the only like peaceful moment we have for, getting out in creation or having a deep connection conversation. So yeah. every morning. Um, yeah. Well, it's, we try. Yeah. Most mornings. It's not yeah, love that. every morning. It's because right. the sunrise so, is pretty early here. So by six fifteen to seven, we have a trail that's close to us, like with woods. And so we'll, we'll wind up like dreaming and talking and, all these because yeah. first thing in the morning, actually, I learned from reading a book a year ago that your most stimulating creative creativity actually is first right after you wake up. Yeah. So it's a real good time to either do morning pages where you just journal, like write whatever's coming to your mind. For me, that's like a conversation with God or get out and walk with someone you love. And like, it, it's been fun. This podcast yeah. actually birthed our podcast birthed from a walk one morning, like yeah. a year ago. <laughs> that's awesome. That's funny. You say that. Um, most of our ideas come from, walks I would say as well yeah Uh, and something we always say and harp on pretty hard is quality time never happens on accident so if you're waiting for it it'll never come yeah Um, yeah carving out that discipline of like you guys have committed to this as an important practice for our life and our marriage and our family I mean I think we have this obsession too with like organic uh, fun or organic spontaneity. And like, we prize that as like, well, if it's not spon- like for sex, for example, it's not spontaneous, like, well, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like planning to have it is totally fine. If that means you'll have it, you know, as that, as that bonding unity thing. And same with like, well, if it's not this spontaneous thing, you know, yeah, then it's not as good as it could have been. But it's like, if you plan a walk or plan time, it's like, Anyways, I just think we have this obsession with it. Yeah. Um, as in Jeremy's, Jeremy, I tend to plan, you know, in the calendar where you could plan sex and then you can click the box that's like every day. So I do that and then it keeps getting deleted. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? 
doing around marriage truly it's um i just want to affirm you now i'm going to speak some life right now because um just by living this out and i know i told you this earlier but by living this out in like marriage is not easy we we now have two special no. kids in our home we're at 22 years like i said and fights are still a thing you know it's, yeah we both are passionate. When you get two opinionated, passionate people, fights are going to happen. But yeah. it's really about um, just being reminded of the person you fell in love with and that, that God gave you is for a reason. And it's actually you're bringing a maturing out in each other, you know, by not making, by choosing not to live an individualistic life, but to go, hey, I might be prone over here to do want to do this and you kind of want to do that. But we're together for a reason. And usually when we're together, it's always stronger. When we come together and bring our ideas, our mutual ideas around something. So we, we do feel convicted um, to do more together because sometimes I can kind of stay in my lane and Gabe's mm-hmm. real cue over here. And our friends who were in our wedding reminded us just two weeks ago, like you need to make sure that everything you guys touch is bumping up against each other because that's actually what God imagine when he put you together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so good. I love like that yeah, resonates amen. with us so much. And going off of that, just, you know, I like asking couples this question because I think um, it's always different. Yeah. It's people just give such very different answers, but is there one thing that you guys, each of you have learned from each other that has refined you more into the image of Christ? Mm. Oh, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> I know. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, yeah, for my, my journey with Rebecca these past, I mean, really the last decade, I feel like I've just watched her burden for the things of the Lord and her life just wreck her and take her to a place of like solitude and time with God that just uh, overshadowed what my time with God looked like. And I just was so inspired by seeing the commitment. Uh, Cause you know, when you're with your spouse, you know, you know where they're spending their time, you know, yeah. how things are really affecting them. And when you see it that up close and personal, you know how real it is. It's an inspiration. And so that's, that's really inspired me in my own, just my own quiet time with God. Um, how to, how to not, not just do it, but how to really understand what it means to commune with him and to, to really be positioning yourself and surrender towards what his purposes might be. And so because she's lived that out so faithfully, it's, it's really affected me. For me, um, Gabe has been such a steady and a force of, uh, I would say temperance in our home. I'm kind of a, a fire. I, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a reactor. Let's put it that way. I would love to say <laughs> yeah. I would love to say all that time with God has like really fostered just real internal discipline to not, you know, overreact to some things or get too fiery or hot headed. But something about my personality, you know, if I'm feeling it, you know it. it. Let's just put it that way. And so he has been such a stable uh, voice in our home in parenting and in our marriage to uh, like we always joke that he's head and I'm heart. And that. I think I've, you know, 
we've rubbed off on each other that way and that I'm, I need to pause. I need to exhale. I need to actually um, think about why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling or why I feel tempted to react in the way I'm reacting. Or is there a deep wound there? Is there something in my parenting that I feel failure in? So I'm just trying to overcompensate for that. Um, Even in our conflicts in marriage, I think it's the same way. Um, I sometimes can like be like that little kid who's just like flailing her arms, but like she's being kind of held at arm's length. So she's not really, she's just kind of powerless with her own feelings or emotions. And, and I, I think that through just Gabe's like steady, consistent, um, unwavering love, honestly, for me, um, there's been such a comfort and a safety there that has helped me chill out. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Rebecca, do you know your Enneagram? I'm a four with a three wing and some days a three with a four, but for sure a four, <laughs> I, I feel all the feelings. And then I sometimes think about what I'm feeling, but, but thankfully I'm, I'm more driven by the three. Like I, I need results. I need it to actually feel like it was effective. So the good thing is that you can feel a lot of things, but then you're also like, yeah, is, it, is there a way to feel it in such a way that it's the pain <clears throat> becomes purpose? that there is that helps someone because it kind of stunk walking through it. Yeah. Yeah. And Gabe, do you know what your Enneagram is? If you're really into the Enneagram, you're going to hate my answer. Because I'm a a three with a two wing, I'm a seven with an eight wing, and I'm a five. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Unsure. TBD. (laughs) I love it. He's a nine. He's a little of everything. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a nine, so I'm a nine. Audrey's an eight, so they call us Fire and Ice. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, we're we're a dynamic duo for sure. Sounds yeah. like you guys are as well. I think that resonates though. What you guys were saying. I mean, to Jeremy is totally. I'm the reactor. I'm the I'm feisty, the he- fiery, head and heart. I like that exa- that analogy. Yeah, we would. That's we would. Jeremiah. We that's would translate us. equivalently. Yeah, equivalently <laughs> to that. Um, <laughs> So we're wrapping up, guys. I know we're coming down on time. This has been this has been awesome. Uh, being both high achievers, go getters. Just what's something you'd like to see happen in the world? Mm-hmm. Maybe through your ministry or just in general. With all this energy, passion, and effort you're putting out, what's one? What's a vision you want to leave us and our listeners with? No, I I just want to see really an awakening happen in people's hearts and minds and lives towards just the things that are real and true and will bring them life. And, and I feel like we're in a moment where in some ways waking up means sometimes going through suffering. Sometimes it's a good friend just coming alongside you and grabbing you and and looking you in the eyes and reminding you of who you are and what your potential is and helping you see yourself the way God looks at us. And our hope is that through everything we're doing, whether it's Rebecca's writing or whether it's our work through Q, is to just help people be awakened to not just get into this dull status quo zone where we just kind of let life happen and we're not actually having agency to impact it. I think part of part of the unique thing about being human and about God's design for our purpose is to partner with him to do these amazing things that are supernatural that are far beyond what the mind can conceive and sometimes we we lose when we just kind of sit in status quo and don't remember that and so we just want to wake people up and and we hope we stay awake to that because it's easy to kind of fall into a bit of a slumber and forget yeah renewal means to uh the word renewal means to 
to revive spiritually or to come alive again. It's to be made new, renew. And um, I think my heart and prayer for the last at least five or six years has been that people who might have walked away from God or had a bad experience in church or somebody in the name of God was abusive or, or just mean, you know, it could be anything, um, that, that maybe in some small way, uh, they might consider inviting God in, maybe asking the question, does God care about the plight that I'm in right now, the fear, the, the depression, whatever it is, does he care? And if he, if I believe that he's real and that he cares, am I willing to invite him in to my, my, yeah. my life, my, my heart, whatever that means, I'm open to him again, because I do believe that, um, God's heart is to heal us. I really do. And, um, but it takes us just being willing to invite that conversation to begin. And so whatever that looks like for each person, I trust God in it. And, um, but I do think that's that being made new is what we need and it begins with him. That's really amen to that well said, um, you guys, I just have to say, you guys are very well-spoken. I just, the whole time I've listened to you guys, you guys articulate what you're saying so well. It's mm-hmm. good stuff. <laughs> um, anyways, I just wanted to affirm that, but we do this thing on the podcast when we wrap up all of our interviews where we ask our guests a rose and thorn from their week. Highs so and lows. A way to go behind the scenes a little bit. It's basically a high and a low. Learn a little bit more about you. It can be super short. Sure. Um, Roses and thorns. So we'll start with the thorns. Start with your thorns so we can end on the happy rose note. Okay. Just what's something that's been a thorn this week? Okay, my thorn yesterday as I was coming back from being in two different cities this weekend, back to the speaking schedule. I took the last nine months off while Joy was home for the most part to not be traveling. And so yesterday I was all excited to get home, pick the kids up from school. I got up at 5 a.m. for my flight return home. We had a connecting flight and it was like checking a gate check, forced gate check. And so I quickly grabbed a bag that looked identical to mine, ran and got on the connecting flight and realized as I'm boarding and I'm about to take off, I have somebody else's suitcase. And You can can just stop right there. (laughs) No, 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 no. My laptop is in my, my my whole life is in my other suitcase. Another gate. She's the only person that carries her laptop in her suitcase. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. Another story for another day because I lost my laptop before. But anyways, the point is this, um, I missed my connecting flight. And then the next flight had to get a tire change, fuel, fuel filling. No. So I got home about five hours later. It was fine. But it was my fault. My, my fault. My Yeah, bummer. Mommy, like, really? <laughs> Gabe, what's your thorn? So the rose part of my week was yesterday. We finally made it to the place where our 16-year-old son successfully got his driver's license and passed the test. Oh, and it was kind of nice. sexy there for a moment because the, the the lady did not look very nice as she was about to do the parking test. And she, she says, I have fun to pull in and park here. And there was cones everywhere and he was nervous and he pulled in and almost hit a cone and knocked it over. And she looked at me and she goes, is that him parking? <laughs> and and I go, well, I think he just thought he was picking you up. You know, give him a chance. And so she jumped in the car and I thought, <laughs> oh, my goodness, she's going to fail him. But that, that's like part, yeah. of, part of the rose. And the other part is that I actually showed up at the DMV and had every single form I needed to actually help him get his license. Right. Because I've had multiple experiences where I forget the one thing 
Yeah. And you have to go. That, that was a big, that is a, worst. That is a good rose. <laughs> we need another driver cool. in our family is what we're saying. So we are all yeah. that we have a third Uber driver in the Lions clan. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. The Lion Pride. Yeah, there we go. Sure. We're a couple of years away from that. But um, you guys, this has been an awesome interview. It's been really cool to hear your hearts, your mission, and uh, what you guys are doing in the world. And I'm, I know I'm encouraged. I know the, the our listeners will be as well. So why don't you just tell us where we can find you online? Sure. I'm just easy. It's just Rebecca Lyons. My name is spelled differently. It's R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then RebeccaLyons.com. And then I'm, I'm at Gabe Lyons on social media. And then Q Ideas, just the letter Q in the word ideas.org is where most of the work, content, and learning can take place for people who are interested in some of the questions that we're trying to answer. Cool. Awesome. You guys, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Hey, if we're ever down in Nashville. Yeah, next time we're in Nashville. We will be calling you guys. <laughs> do it. Let's do it. We can have you out and we can look at some cows and watch them stare at people. <laughs> yes. That's our jam. That's our jam. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, All right it's a pleasure. Have a great day. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a conversation. I feel like that could have gone on for a while and I wish it could have. Yeah, they had so much wisdom to share and I'm so glad that they were willing to be on the podcast. So Yeah, and it's just such a applicable, I don't know, there's lots of applicable um, practical things in rhythms as an antidote to this cultural moment and Mm -hmm. just all the chaos that we're finding. And I love what they had to say about questions and you know, the, the lack of asking the questions and it's just all, that was all really good stuff. And the so. root of anxiety is unfulfilled responsibility. I that, that was, was good. So good. I was like, oh dang. Yeah. Um, yeah. So much good stuff in there. And I'm excited myself to read Rebecca's book that comes out October 1st. Yeah. So you guys can pre-order, um, get all the goodies and stuff now mm-hmm. before it comes out. Um, and with that said, yeah, with speaking that of October, said, speaking of October, <laughs> we have pumpkin season coming up. So, uh, and we're going to be there pretty much every day. Every weekend. Every week. Yeah. Every weekend. So it starts October 4th. And it's uh, which is the first Friday, weekend in October. First week in October, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, for the month of October. All the weekends in October. All the weekends in October. Friday, all day Saturday, Friday, Sunday. all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> so that's pumpkin season. Come on out, grab a pumpkin, take a tour of the farm. We got apple cider, coffee, bunch of food carts. It's we a love super meeting you guys. Fun and time and experience. Yeah, and for us, it's, it's fun because we get FaceTime with you guys who come out and see us. And babe, we're also going to be doing some book signings. Yeah, we're going to have um, our book, A Love Letter Life, there to sign. So if you want to grab a signed copy or grab a signed copy for a friend, you can come down. We're also going to have copies of the marriage journal for you to buy in person. And I believe a few select always more items. So um, we don't, you know, Jeremy and I, we don't sell the mayor journal or always more stuff physically anywhere. So this is kind of the only place that you can, you know, try stuff on, look at it in person before buying. And so 
with the exception of Love Thy Life. Obviously, you can buy that in bookstores everywhere. But mm-hmm. um, kind of a fun opportunity. We're going to be there. We'll yeah, take we'll- pictures with you guys, sign books, hang out. It's the most beautiful time of the year it's in so the Pacific Northwest. So if you're considering coming to Oregon at all, come then because it's the best time to come. Yep. And we can hang out. Yep. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every weekend in October. Let us know if you're going to be there. Yeah. And uh, the signings will be fun. So like we said, it's always fun getting to meet you guys in person. Anything else, babe? I think we're good. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. Have a good week.